1: process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com.
2: everybody. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. This is Sean Martin, where I get to chat with all the cool people from uh, around the industry and beyond to talk about tech and how it impact, impacts business and security and risk and how we need to bake uh, that in to enable the business to uh, succeed, not to block them from, from growth and, and revenue generation. And uh, th- there's a lot in that all in itself. But then if you, if you look inward as a security professional and even, even more so with, with scrutiny from others as a CISO <laughs> in a role, uh, there is even so much more to consider, uh, personally, uh, how do you deal with it? Um, are you able, what attributes do you need to have? What skills do you need to have? What teams do you need to build? What tech do you need to use? And then there's also the, the, uh, stress that comes with that that, and and perhaps the liabilities as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of that in the context of the current state of the CISO, and we're going to look at uh, the the CTO role and the CIO role and how the CISO fits in there and what some of the gaps are as well. Uh, Of course, not having been a CISO, I know nothing. So that's where our guest, our good guest, Sue Bergamo, comes in. How are you, Sue?
0: I'm good, Sean. How are you today? Thanks I'm for
2: coming. That's it's exciting. I'm glad to have met you the other day and, and thrilled to have you on the show. Hopefully I didn't butcher your last name.
0: No, actually <laughs> you said it correctly. You're like one of just a few. Yeah. And go. going back to Italy, there's this nice little town in northern Italy called Bergamo, Italy. So there you go. It is the polenta capital of the world.
2: Ooh. I'm, I'm gonna have to go visit that now and check it out. And, and taste, of course, but uh, we, we can talk about food on another episode, on another show. We're gonna we're gonna focus on on cyber today. I'm I'm sure I'll I'll bring in a food analogy. It's it's uh, it's what I do. But uh, before we get into the, the all of those nits uh, and bits, uh, Sue, so a few words about what you've been up to, what you're currently doing, and uh, and why this topic.
0: Well, actually, I've been talking about this topic for the better part of a year. So by trade, I'm a pattern watcher because I have to be. Um, And uh, I've been seeing some things that are a little disconcerting in the industry and just uh, trying to call them to attention. But my background is CIO. Uh, I've been uh, CIO for 12 years, and then uh, I went over to security uh, about eight years ago, which I still do. CIO work, still do tech work. Um, I think there's a misconception that you can separate the two, but they go hand in hand. Uh, no matter if you're, you know, dealing with the engineering team or, you know, the IT team, but security really gets their hands into everything, including the business, right? HR and finance and marketing and sales and customer support. So we're not just a one shop or one topic, you know, role. We're we're all over the place, and we should be.
2: That that might be a good place to start, actually. I know we want to touch on some of the gaps between CIO and CTO, but given your experiences in, in the roles you've had and and the trends that you're watching and the things that you're spotting, do you feel that we have, and I don't know who even we is, <laughs> the, the greater we, do we have a, a good understanding of how the CISO role fits in? in relation to the CIO and the CTO and and I don't know I guess every company does have does build stuff pretty much at this point so there is there's technology officer or product officers as well uh, bringing bringing apps to to play internally or externally so do we have a good good grasp of CISO CSO versus the other roles and have we done a good job over the years kind of drawing lines where they need to be keeping them removed where they shouldn't be there?
0: See, I think that's part of the gap that I'm seeing. So I think that the the CISO role was well-intended when it first came out. And, and I speak from experience because as a longtime CIO, I always had security in my shop. But I have to be honest with you, not to the level that I did when I became a CISO. It's a whole different dynamic. And I really believe that CIOs asked for the help because they understood it was a whole other full-time job and they were already wearing many, many hats. The, The CTO in more, I'm going to say mature companies have understood that, you know, if they're developing products, that they have to be cognizant of the security around those products. But, you know, I do think that there's a little bit of a gap right now um, in understanding that the CISO really is there, not just to secure the perimeter, which I think it was what everyone thought in the beginning, like just go after the network and we're fine, but it, um, we're there to find, identify, detect, and then respond to gap areas. And I think that's where some of the rub comes in right now because, um, you know, if we're doing our jobs correctly, we're partnering with CIOs and CTOs and we're not just poking them in the nose when we find a gap, but face it, when you're really busy and you're, you've are you got all these priorities, you know, on your plate it, as it is. And then we come in and we're like, whoa, you got all these exposures and look at all this, you know, you know, these vulnerabilities and these defects and, you know, all these exploits and, you know, we're just adding to the burden on these folks' plates. And I think that's where some of the conflict comes in.
2: Yeah, and I can't help uh, myself but to look back on some of my own experiences um, when I was building products at Symantec. So different than a security program, but still a program in that you have a problem you're trying to solve or something you're trying to build over to, to achieve some objective. And I can't tell you the number of times that the organization reorganized how products were brought to market. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they'd they'd place a business head at the top. Sometimes they'd place a tech head at at the top. Sometimes they'd place a program head at the top, depending on either, well, oftentimes kind of what the company thought was needed for the company at the time. But then also, I presume sometimes down at the product, at the the delivery level to say, This is a high risk or this is a very technical or this is a very time sensitive, depending on what some of the core attributes of of the challenges where they might organize a team a certain way or or an organization a certain way. So do you? my question from that experience is, do you think we define the CISO role in a way that's malleable enough to fit different types of organizations and different types of scenarios? Maturity levels, size, industries, scope, risk levels, team capabilities. I don't know. Your thoughts on all that stuff that I just said.
0: I wish I could say it was totally defined. So let me start by saying that in the MBA programs, no one teaches tech and security. It's sales, marketing, and finance. So that's the first gap, right? And then, and and again, you know, I've had a long career in, in IT and and in security. So, you know, these aren't, these aren't rubs, these are just facts. Um, Then you get to the board level. And again, it's mostly, you know, investors, CEOs, right? Again, marketing, sales, and finance, tech and security are typically not a part of the board. Now, if you're in a really big company, you may find uh, those individuals, you know, sitting at the board level, but for the most part, they're not there so you have a whole bunch of business people either if they're sitting on top of a product or if they're sitting on top of a company not really understanding what the cio or the CISO should be doing the cto is very clear they're there to get product out the door but these other um, uh, roles you know just like what the cio went through 20 years ago they went through a lot of pain try to figure out what it was that they should be doing. And at the end of the day, they kind of got pushed into the back corner and now they're just internal applications, which by the way, is an important role to have. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done in order to maintain internal applications. So the CISO, you know, sort of came out of that as an, okay, well, we're going to protect all the internal corporate affairs, you know, the, the network, the internal applications, the employees. And then some CISOs got to participate and venture over into product, which is a great thing to have happen. But again, you know, we we we're coming in sort of, you know, at the end of the tail, right? The tail's already wagged and we're coming in at the end. And we're saying, but you forgot, but right? What about but and and people are going, wait a minute we have been functioning all this time without you. And, you know, like you're coming in here, like sort of like a little bit of a wet blanket saying, well, you're not doing things correctly. And so, you know, again, if we're doing our jobs right, we're not just identifying uh, gaps in, in these other areas. We're working to help resolve them. And, and that's really what we should be doing. And it a lot of it starts... I hate to say this it just sounds so simplistic but it's true with access privileges if we get access privileges right it's not that it takes cyber off the off the menu but it at least gives you some foundation some basis to then start building a program on top of hopefully role based security and access privileges, because as I like to say to, you know, board of directors, when I get a chance to talk to them, why would you give customer success access to sales numbers or HR access to finance numbers, right? Like, you know, people should have the data that they need to do their jobs and really no more than that, right? It's It's the privilege of least. That's what we, we abide by. Meaning if you don't need to see it, You don't have access to it. And that's a good thing. And, you know, especially lots of folks say to me, well, you should have access to everything because you're the CISO. And the, uh, the answer is, oh dear God, no, (laughs) like I'm the last person you want to give full access to or the CEO or the CMO, because we're the most sought after person in the organization to be attacked the ceo is the most um you know uh, attacked person in any organization but if we get compromised and we have high access privileges game over for the company so there's a lot to be done and, and honestly it starts at iam
2: yeah yeah it makes sense and uh, i cannot but think that uh as part of that uh access to information but also the system so therefore uh, the networks and segmentation for me fall underneath that mm-hmm. that may may start to make things complex again, <laughs> but, but well, uh, know, nonetheless, yeah.
0: And not to, to bring this up, but it just continues. Like, so I, th- there's themes every week and this week's theme is API security, right? Mm-hmm. And connections and service accounts. I love to go into companies and say, when's the last time you guys rotated, you know, tokens, you know, your, your secret keys and, and your passwords on those service account IDs. And people look at me like, what are you talking about? And it's like, it's just like a user ID. You should be rotating them minimally at, at an annual basis at a minimum. But a lot of companies don't even know where the assets are located, let alone how to go about and and rotate those keys. Exactly. You're laughing.
2: It's true. No, I know. No, I can <laughs> I can uh, sadly picture a few myself that I'm thinking, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the the good thing is I remember some that I've set up that I could follow this advice for, but to your other point, there are probably others that
0: And uh, hopefully you didn't uh, hard code any of them, didn't, right?
2: Didn't use yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. And I didn't put them in GitHub, the keys as well. That's just another another point. But let's this is all fun as well. Um but I want to talk about I, I think what you just described clearly well I don't know maybe not clearly I want to talk about responsibility because you, you talked about CIO and CTO and, and then the bringing of security in and there's handing off activities there's handing off uh, requirements and, and jobs and things like that and then there's the responsibility part and I'm wondering your, your thoughts on what from the CIO or the CTO were handed off as tasks, <laughs> what things were handed off as responsibilities. And I guess I'm asking a bit of kind of an, uh, an organizational structure, who sits at the top and who maintains the responsibility. Um, we haven't talked about risk managers or risk officers yet as a, as a label. But somehow they fit in there as well if the, if the organization is big enough. So I don't know if you can paint a picture of the, the different roles and where the difference between activities and responsibilities uh, might might lie.
0: Personally, I see them as peers to each other, right? Okay. You know, the CIO and the CISO, because they are, they are all at the C-level and they are all peers. It doesn't matter if they're focused on technology or not. Um, They each have a different focus. One is product, one is internal, and the other one is security overall for not just a platform, but it's the company, it's employees and customer data. So while the other two are getting, you know, busy getting product out the door and and applications out the door, the CISO is protecting those, you know, inner workings of, of those environments. Um, And it's, it's just as big a job as the other two roles are. So, you know, if you look at some of the job descriptions that are out there today, it's like a laundry list and, and a CISO does have a laundry list of responsibilities, you know, on them and, and that's okay. So they could be responsible for data privacy or GRC, you know, governance, risk, and compliance programs they could be responsible for development or infrastructure or physical security and, of course, uh, security operations. They could also be responsible for fraud-related activities, right, depending on the type of company that you're in. So there's there's a lot of things that the CISO is supposed to be doing. Some CISOs are very focused on one thing. You'll see job descriptions out there for you know, application security or just infrastructure security. And those are very um, siloed approaches. And, you know, I say to companies, I do a lot of advisory work for companies and I say all the time, if you're only focused on one pillar, then what are you doing with the rest of the company? So, you know, if you're, let's say, only focused on platform security, well, who's watching HR and finance, right? You're basically saying that it's not important or you know, a lot of times those departments are left to sort of fend for themselves and they're not trained in security. They're trained in their job functions. So, you know, I always get a little suspect when I see the siloed security um, role.
2: So let, let's talk about um, that. You mentioned job description and laundry lists. And I don't know if we can kind of put under, under the big bigger bucket of the state of the CISO, <laughs> uh, conversation. What, what are you seeing as you're engaging with organizations? Do, do they feel they have certain areas covered? Are they struggling to, to cover some of the other pillars, uh, using that term, as you mentioned, um, yeah. is hiring going well? Are teams strong and robust, um, What's kind of the general sense of things? um,
0: I wish I could paint a really rosy picture right now, but I can't. So I know more CISOs that have been let go from their jobs. I know more team members that have been let go from their jobs. And honestly, I wish I could tell you it was role specific or gender or age or race or geographic area or some pattern, but it's not. It's across the board and it's at all levels. Um unfortunately, what's happening right now, which is great for the SecOps manager, they're being elevated. Um and I'm and again, no disrespect to SecOps because they work hard and they do a lot, but they're getting elevated to what I I'm, I'm calling a band-aid. Uh, which is companies are faced in an economic downturn with high inflation and probably a lot lower ARR. Um, And they're they're trying to fix a problem that they have perceived they're having. So if they don't wanna pay for a high priced CISO, they just need to make sure that security operations is being taken care of. So they're elevating the SecOps manager to head of security. And again, no disrespect to SecOps because they do work hard, but they unless you get somebody who's been, um, you know, involved in a broad range of activities, mostly their their goal and their their skill and expertise is in alert management and understanding what to do when a company's under attack. So, it's in my personal opinion, and in my level of expertise at this point in my career, I keep saying it's the wrong picture. It's the wrong way to go about solving security. Yes, we do need to solve alerts and attacks and figure out what's a false positive and what isn't. But security is so much more than an alert. It's so much more than just a technology. It's the triumphant or the triad, as we call it, Of people processing tech and the real triad that CISOs solve is availability, integrity, and confidentiality, right? CIA. So if we're not focused on on the triad, um, we're missing something. And then the ability to identify and detect and respond uh, becomes a little bit harder to do, leaving companies vulnerable to attack.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and i i have a uh a, I don't know multi-layered rosy colored set of glasses that i often look through when when i'm on the show because it's easy to get get down into things are challenging we don't get the support we need we don't have the budget we need but then i often ask my guests well if we think about it this way is there is there a way we can change the way the business operates is defined, architected, built, deployed, managed, whatever, in a different way that reduces exposure, reduces risk, thereby reducing the need for some of the other downstream detection, monitoring, response, (laughs) constant patching, um, fixing roles that that get uh, misused and abused. And I, I feel that over the last few years, those conversations have grown. It, it seemed that companies and 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 people that I've spoken to find a level of maturity uh, happening, uh, or yeah, basically some some level of maturity is taking place. What I'm hearing from you now, though, is perhaps we might be not not yet quite taking a step back, but certainly not pressing forward on that. If we are uh, not keeping CISOs on and and embracing and encouraging business level conversations by putting others that are more tech oriented into positions where they now need to know the business um, and and the expose the grander exposure that that it has. So, I don't, any any thoughts on on the maturity level of programs? Given what you just said, are we? Are we is it still possible to mature that way with some of the things you're seeing?
0: It is. And, and please don't take the message that I'm sending today as doom and gloom. I live in a world of sunshine and rainbows. I have taken companies from nothing to something because I love transformation. I love the challenge. It's why I'm in this role. But right now I think we've hit a pause and I'm still trying to figure out why. And the only thing I can put my finger on is that it's the economy, right? And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of people out there um, that are unemployed that are trying to do the right things, and um, and this role uh, people are looking at and they're kind of shaking their head and they're saying, "Do we need it? Why do we need it?" You know, and and I've been saying this for quite a, a few months now, um, and hopefully this will resonate with some of your audience members. If we're doing our jobs correctly then nobody really should be hearing from the CISO. Like things are calm, cool, and collected, right? If we're doing our jobs correctly, it's almost like we're doing ourselves a disservice and we should be running around with our hair on fire, which give me a moment to explain this. Personally, my my internal measurement is if my team and myself are running around and our hair is on fire, then we're all doing something wrong. But if it's calm and cool, then we're doing something right, but no one really notices us because what are they doing back there? Right. It's all quiet. This security thing's working out just fine. Look at we're not getting breached. But what we don't do and shouldn't do is put the real metrics in front of the sea level. First, their heads would explode. Second, it would lead to a whole bunch of questions that we just don't want to, you know, have them go down that rabbit hole. But most organizations are being attacked millions of times a month. The bigger ones, are probably millions of times a day. And it's the one that gets through that gets all the attention, which it should. The ones that aren't getting through, it's just calm, cool, and collected. So the CISO needs to be, you know, the relationship builder, the partner, the communicator, the educator, you know like i could bring all these adjectives into what we should be doing um but we really need to be there as a calm this is just my opinion calm silent advisor trusted advisor that anyone can come to at any time and say i think there's something wrong i've noticed i've done right you want to have that kind of Relationship with individuals so they're confident to call you, as well as with the C level. I can't tell you how many times a CEO has called me to say, I need to talk to you about something because we need to be the steel trap. But then we go into the organization and we work everywhere across the enterprise. And we say things like, you know, we're trying to put together a program and we do assessments based on a compliance framework. Even if you're not certifying in a specific framework like a SOC 2, SOC 2 is not a certification, but if you're not going for SOC 2 report or doing ISO 27001, the CISO should still be implementing that level of control because when we implement controls, and by the way, controls is not a dirty word, nor is process. (laughs) We create some kind of structure in a non-bureaucratic way that gives us a positive outcome, right? And that positiveness in that outcome leads to a better security posture and more maturity. So let me use change control as a, for instance, if you have no clue who's putting items, re, you know, release packages into your CICD pipeline, you have no idea if there's any collisions, you have no idea of the timing, you have no idea if there's integration work that needs to continue from one team to the other, you have no idea who tested the code for any defect or vulnerability that may be impacting a customer. And all of a sudden, the thing goes out into release. It's the middle of the night, platform goes down, and there's no support personnel. Who looks bad? Is it the CISO that should be getting blamed for that? Or is it somebody else in the organization? So when you have consistency, in change and release management, everybody's lined up, everybody knows a release is coming, everybody knows who should be supporting it, you should know what's going into production because it should have been tested in dev and test and figured out you know, from a configuration standpoint in pre-prod and it's consistent and it goes out and everybody's happy, right? Along with release notes, don't forget release notes. So that consistency, that routineness, leads to a limited amount of defects and vulnerabilities if done correctly. Otherwise it's crapshoot. You don't know what you're getting. And it goes from being calm, cool, and collected to your hair's on fire.
2: Yeah. So are there, are there anything that teams can do assuming, assuming budgets are frozen or, or reducing and, and, Let's just say the team stays intact. The CEO is not gone. Our CISO's is not gone. Um, are there things they can do to remain calm, cool, collected? Kind of like baseline. I don't know actions or documentation or meetings or communi- ways to communicate that keep things keep, keep a. What I'm trying to get to is kind of like a, a sense of culture <laughs> for a good security posture even if things get shaken up?
0: Yeah, I think first that every engineer should know the OWASP top 10 vulnerabilities, but hands down, right? Just even if your company doesn't have a program, just learn them because honestly, every pen test that I've ever done, it's always OWASP. It's never the network. IT has figured this out. Like they figured it out a long time ago, but it's always the OWASP top 10. So every engineer in a CTO's organization, just learn OWASP Top Ten. Take take all those defects and vulnerabilities off the table, and then let's look at things like, you know, um, champions, security champions. Right? If you don't have the staff or the budget, there's always ways that you can be creative. Have I don't want to say a steering committee, but have a group of individuals that meet that want to be there that can help you champion sending messages down and through the organization, right. And have a security mindset. And that's not just a buzzword. It's, it's true. If people start recognizing how to identify, uh, threats, um, you can actually, you know, solve some of those problems before they start. You know, if you can't afford, um, you know, a vendor to do phishing simulations or a a fancy software package, just send out information, right? If it's through Slack, email, um, get, again, get people in a group, go visit with Teams. You can show people, it's as simple as a PowerPoint slide, right? Just just go and get, um, you know, examples of, uh, of email phishing campaigns and show them to people, right? It's that easy, you know, and, um, you know, and constantly send out messages around um, what to look for, So every week, every day, you know, brings about another threat, let people know what the threat is and make sure that they have that information before it lands in their inbox. And they're told to click, you know, you know, urgently on the, on the following link, you know, upend it before it happens.
2: Yeah. that's also might be a good, good way to partner. Uh, You you call them champions, but perhaps partner with HR and uh, marketing. Right. Maybe, maybe somebody there has an interest and those teams have an interest in security and might they be able do. to help. With and some they, of those they usually
0: have a learning management system. Okay. so you know honestly, if you have no budget, it's it's as quirky as get a couple of your you know team members um, in front of a camera and put together you know a quick video segment on some security topic it doesn't need to be more than five or ten minutes long and post them on the LMS right? For people to take, or even push them out to your employees. Like one of the things that I always do when I do, um, annual training, which should be done more than annually. Um, I make sure it's hundred percent, including the CEO, right? Everybody gets to take annual training. It's, it's something simple and easy to do that people will sometimes go, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that was a problem. Change your password every 90 days, right? Go to a digital, you know, footprint. Um, you know, use MFA. You know, I know MFA is getting a lot of, you know, fanfare these days, but it's one more layer that you can install. Uh, VPN, another one, right, that everybody, you know, is sort of, you know, on fire about. But, you know, if you're working from home, you should be on a VPN, Um, you know, especially if you're in the financial services arena. You know, don't shortcut those things.
2: Yeah, exactly. And as, as we come to the end. I don't think we're going to get to some of the, we touched on responsibility a little bit. I don't think we're going to get to the liabilities part. So maybe maybe we can uh, have another chat on that um, in the future. But I want to, want to use this last moment maybe to highlight some areas where you think security teams kind of need to brace themselves. Because you talk about changes in, in the business environment. Right, the the economy's changing, business is changing. Um, If we're letting certain team members go, we we're also likely making changes in how we build products, how we interact with our customers, how we manage operations, and I don't know, pick your favorite part of the business. Everything's kind of impacted at some point, right? Um, The first thing that comes to mind is. Shortcuts using that word these you just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, what are some shortcuts that might be happening? What are some other areas where decisions being made on how things are done could impact security and are there ways to kind of head that off at the past? at least be aware so you can look for the signs that something something is coming. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's a great question. So as people are getting let go, that means that more the people that remain are taking on more work, which means they are going to look for shortcuts, which means, you know, they may not be looking at access and identity management the way that they should be. They may be forgetting to terminate employees, you know, at the end of the business day. You know, um, I've heard I've heard stories of employees, you know, being let go. And then, um, you know, the CISO not involved, right. I I've, I've also heard things where people are getting let go, but they have all day to remain in their, in their, uh, on their operating environment, right. Nobody's the wiser because nobody's been told there's a lot of this going on out in the industry, you know, and that's a gap, right. So they could be taking I'm not, you know, not everybody does it, but some people could be taking data, right? Like we all know salespeople have a different contact list than the one that's in Salesforce. Um, so, every, my, again, my opinion, every cybersecurity opening on the job, I think the last count in April was like 3.5 million. That's 3.5 million exposures uh, across the landscape of corporate America that's ripe for takeover. So, I just think that um, you know whoever remains in security has to be more diligent about identifying where the threats exist and help those business people that remain try to plug them up as best as possible. And and the use of technology will help in that regard.
2: Yeah, excellent point. So it's all it comes back to IAM again, <laughs> Managing, oh, so. ma- making sure access is is, uh, is robust. Well, Sue, uh I feel we, we barely scratched the surface here, but a lot of a lot of interesting and, and fun things to talk about and consider. And um uh, an absolute pleasure chatting with you. So I'm Thank glad you. glad yeah. you joined me on the show and and uh always interested in, in chatting with you more. I know you're you're uh doing a podcast as well, so hopefully folks can listen to some of the things you're working on and and uh we'll include links to your your profile so, so folks can connect to you there and if you have any resources you think uh, are relevant uh, to this conversation we can share those as well so I'll put those in the show notes for everybody.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me and I'm welcome to um, and happy to come back at any time and talk about various topics.
2: Perfect. Perfect and thanks everybody for uh, listening to this episode. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Certainly made me think and hopefully did the same for you. And, uh, of course, stay tuned, subscribe, share with your friends and enemies Like, And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks again, Sue.
0: Thank you.
1: Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale, to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at Pantera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at Imperva.com.